everyone. Welcome to yet another exciting episode of the Plastic Planet podcast with myself, Dr. Refilwe. Today's episode is special to me in particular because we are talking African solutions, you know, based on African problems. And we have a very a wonderful, incredible lady that is Uyi Afyam from Nigeria, who is doing incredible work with her marine pollution management and her non-profit organization that is based uh, in Nigeria. Really just, um, you know, looking forward to hear what's, you know, what's what's happening in this beautiful country. What are the solutions? What are the problems? And how, how you know, how do we get out of you know, the challenges that, uh, you know, some of the African countries are facing, really, you know, with Africa or with Nigeria being the African giant, if you will, or one of the African giants, it's it's very important, I suppose, that we, we, we really just, you know, take a look at what's happening there. <laughs> what are the solutions that are coming up from there? What is the attitude that's coming up, um, you know, that is on the ground in, in, in that country? And, uh, you know, if, if at all there is progress towards the right direction. Um, and, yeah, driving this at the very helm of it is Uyi. And I uh, hope you do enjoy. Hello, everyone. My name is Uyi Afium. I'm a Mandela Washington Fellow from the prestigious University of California, Davis. I'm a lawyer with 10 years post Paul and an environmental enthusiast for the past nine years and counting. Okay, so I work with SOFA Initiative as a procurement logistics and field manager, and I'm a craft development team lead of the Fishing Net Gains project. Um, what I do specifically in the project is teach young girls and women in the coastal communities about repurposing of fishing nets that are recovered from the ocean into fabrics. Now, the make the items they can make with this fabric, they sell it and empower themselves economically. You can imagine that the fabrics that they make and produce items like shoes, school bags, home decor, and even sales for their fishing boats. So that is me. <laughs> you do a lot of things. I think I'm I'm excited about your background. I'm excited about the work that you chose to do. And, uh, you know, it's a very interesting combination there because you have a, uh, you know, a law background and an accounting background, but uh, here you are in the environment and, uh, you know, just trying to to really just solve the problems that are apparent in the environment. Yeah. Uh, talk to us about that. How how did that come about? How did you decide to to pivot? Have you pivoted? Um, or are you still practicing law? What, what's happening? <laughs> That's interesting. Okay, first of all, I'm going to tell you about um, I'm going to tell you about my background. Yeah, you know, I grew up in the coastal area of Calabar. Calabar is a is a coastal state and is in Cross River State. And I attended the university. Now, in this university, it had the Great Kwa River and Calabar River run across them, and each time I go to the back of the, of the library where the river is located, I sit there and I see lots and lots of pollution. Now, the pollution I'm talking about is plastic pollution. I see the water gets really dirty. I see that all the rain that falls, all, all, all the remnants of everything that the rain had washed, it's 
like it goes into the river. Yeah. And I, 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 it was a sore sight, really sore sight. Yes, I'm pursuing a master's degree in environmental and natural resources law. Okay. But then I attend, I attained a degree in law from that same University of Calabar in 2012. Now, because of my volunteer spirit, you know, and the fact that I kept seeing all of these things happen, you know, the, the dirt, the pollution everywhere, I told myself, I think I have to do something. And for me to be able to do something, I need to join hands or be where people with the same spirit, with the same positive mindset towards this environment, you know, join hands with them and amplify my voice with them. Today, I'm, I said, okay, before then, I started being a field volunteer and I've been a field volunteer in an environmental sphere for the past eight years. And it has given me firsthand knowledge of this plastic pollution uh, and how to beat it. Now, um, I have worked in a law firm. <laughs> Back to your question, Rafael. Where I have worked in a law firm after I graduated, but because of the volunteer pro program I I did for the organizations which I'm I'm currently working on, that was where I gained my experience with plastics, and I decided that I'm going to be a force that would join hands to stop plastic pollution. Yes, yeah. I haven't pivoted. I haven't pivoted. I'm working hand in hand, being a lawyer, because it gives me that, you know, the legal background. You understand? Yeah. The, the unique combination gives me legal expertise and environmental advocacy. And it's a valuable asset to what I'm doing as an environmentalist. Yeah. Um, I I think I have so many questions leading from that, you know, because what we normally get uh, from our guests um, you know, in the past, it's been, you know, someone who's been a very environmentally oriented person or they're a scientist or they're an environmentalist. But, you know, you coming from a, a very, um, you know, very different background, what what are some of the policies that govern or that should govern, you know, environmental pollution? Um, if you, I don't know if it's a fair question, but, uh, you know, just trying to understand from, you know, the law perspective or from a policy perspective, what are some of uh, the policies that should protect the environment that um, you feel are not are not in place at the moment? Okay, now that takes me straight into the, the bill that was passed in my country in May 2019. Why I'm really particular about the marine environment is because of, you know, what we what we tend to gain from it, but then yeah. we keep degrade we keep degrading it. Now yeah. there was this plastic bag prohibition bill that was passed, you know, and in this, Nigeria, this, yeah, yes, in Nigeria, yeah. and it was passed. It it imposed some measure of prohibition against the manufacturing, sale, and use of plastic as in of uh, the manufacturing, sale, and use of single-use plastic bag. You know the single-use plastic bags? Yeah. That is used for packaging of, um, you know, how, home, house, household items and stuff. So uh, about, um, about some policies, yeah. the, the solution we are providing with fishing net gains 
One of it is anchored within the purview of a third party, and the third party is the government. Now, their role is basically on policy and regulatory implementations, and until their participation and sanction, there will continue to be a lacuna in that part of the solution. Now, why I'm saying this is because, for instance, in my country, the government passed the plastic bag prohibition bill in May 2019. Mm -hmm. But the bill is the bill imposes some measures of prohibition against the manufacture, sale, and use of single-use plastic bags. Now, I can boldly say that this bill has not been implemented because I still see daily production of these bags. So you see, yeah, this these policies, all of these environmental policies. Some of them are there, some of them are put in place. The advocacy for, oh, we need to save the environment, we need to do this, we need... Some of these bills are even passed, but the implementation is the issue. Yes. The sanction is there, but you know, we need, to, we need to enforce it. When this is done, then we can say, yes, there is a force to, to join cause in beating plastic pollution. I see these bags clog the gutters and the drainage of every other community I visit. That is why I'm saying it's not been implemented. So yeah. there are policies on marine protected area. Sorry, my, 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 I really like um, the marine environment a lot. I, there are lots of benefits we get from there. So that's yeah. why I talk about it. You know, everything about blue economy excites me. So all, all you do, what you do, what you get from that environment, you need to be able to give back by preserving or restoring it if you can. Just like what SOFA initiative my organization is doing with the Fishing Net Gains project. You know, cleaning up the ocean, reading it of fishing gears because of the entanglement they, they get to, you know, they get to mix up with, with the marine animals. Imagine if all of this debris is there, where would these animals leave or where we have food to eat yeah. because we still get to eat the microplastics that these animals eat it's not biodegradable yeah so on the yeah. policy we need to implement them yes there are so many policies on environment but it's the implementation the implementation that matters yeah uh you you actually you know spoken about you know a whole lot from policy to you know, uh, plastics and microplastics and your organization, which is you know what I'm I'm really interested in. What you do is fantastic. You do an incredible job, you know, uh, trying to educate, try to bring solutions to the plastic problem that we we have. And you did you know just touch on how you use ghost nets and you you repurpose them in your organization. Please elaborate on that. Okay, so <clears throat> we in the craft development team of the Fishing Net Gains Project, we teach these women on repurposing, upcycling. It is called upcycling. Mm -hmm. Now, upcycling is cheaper. Let me not use the word cheaper. It's most affordable compared to recycling. Mm -hmm. Because I know that these are most challenges that um, the, the local communities we engage face. Anything that is alien to them, you know, they, they tend to just, you know, don't really, you know, get interested. But the yeah. upcycling teaches them how to restore. Okay, first of all, it gives them a basic environmental education. Now, the reason why we need to first teach them is for them to know exactly what they're doing and why they are doing this. And then at the end of the day, 
Tell them that this thing you're doing by repurposing this material into fabrics to create items that you can sell is going to help you economically because you're empowering yourself. You know, women, why we target women and young girls is because they are the most vulnerable, especially in the coastal communities. And mm -hmm. they depend solely on fishermen, which who are their fathers or maybe their husbands or their brothers for means of livelihood. So rather than just sit there and not do anything up until when whoever comes back with fish with fish for you to be able to, you know, um, process it and go and go sell, you have something else you're doing. And with that thing you're doing, you're helping to restore the environment. You're, you're now a major force, a voice to environmental restoration. And you're also enriching your pockets. Yeah. So it's something most of these people should be proud of. By the time we teach them like that, they end, they, they, they end up being really elated and anxious and calling you, I want to learn more, I want to do more. Because when you do these things and they see it out there that they are a part of a voice for mm -hmm. environmental restoration, they are really happy for themselves. Yeah. Do you know, I-, I Did I answer your question? Yeah, absolutely. I think what you are doing is, is so unique in, in a sense that, you know, a lot of programs are, are still at awareness, are still at um, how do we, you know, how do we just take the plastic out? How do we prevent it from entering the the ocean and um you know the education is still at that level and here you are talking upcycling and you are talking uh solution based um you know principles and you're talking how do we make money how do we you know just put value in plastic because i think that's the next phase or that's the next step where people see value and you know, solutions become sustainable. Uh, I, I'm just curious of how the reception has been, you know, from the communities that you've worked in uh, in Nigeria. So, what what are people saying? Are people quite excited about the program? You know, do you have buy-in from the community, government, businesses? What is the response from the ground? Okay, that's a very interesting question, Rafil, where we know that, you know, it's not just you, it's not just about going to somewhere to say something or do something. You need to yeah. know the feedback. Now, um, first of all, when we got into engaging with these communities, of course, whatever, whatever you, wherever you go to and want to talk and talk about something that maybe people don't know, they would be receptive. They will be receptive, first of all, but you know, just a bit reserved, right? Yeah. We had that at the initial stage of engagement, but then because our solution is not alien to them, because it circles, it it circle is centered around the major, their major source of livelihood. The fact that I tell you, oh, I want to teach you how, I want to teach you fishing best practices. I want to teach you on how you can repurpose nets that we, re we, we recover from the ocean because if we keep leaving it there, I know that you don't know that you are that dumping it in there is causing issues for the for the marine life there. Now that you know, if if we keep leaving it there in the, it's going to pollute the environment, you won't have food to eat, you won't even have you know the, your catches to be able to go and sell and make money. Yeah. But then if we take it out, you know, you are going to still make money from the waste that we take out. 
So we are teaching you waste to waste, waste to wealth creation. This is just part of the solution. You know, I've told you that this project has so many components, and this is the one I'm working with directly. So now they relate to the project because it is centered about around their major source of livelihood. Yeah. And guess what? The solution yeah. is affordable because it is upcycling. So they started having positive attitude towards the project. And their participation in the project, their enthusiasm, anxiety, you know, it caused other nearby communities that we did not even engage to come asking for the project to be brought to their own location. Oh, wow. They also visualize oh, wow. this impact and they see that the solution helps fishermen. For instance, the part of the project, the components of a solution, one of the components of our solution is where we, we create a cooperative society, a cooperative society for the fishermen to be able to have access to facility, you know, so that when climate change hits and, you know, something happens, you know, where they can use the leverage and stand to be able to get back into business. Sorry to, 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 to cut out because there was this time when I was in Ugburudu, Kostain community, and there was ocean upsurge. I was there and I saw that the, the ocean literally sank as a, what do you call it? Yes, sank a city, sank a community. Because yeah. when you come and wash everything ashore, when you come and wash everything into the water, what happens? Lives and properties gone, you yeah. know? And I know we know how much to get a boat engine is very expensive. So imagine all of that gone and sunk down at the bottom of the ocean. How yeah. do they start? Where do they start from? Who do they talk to? Who gets their voice amplified? That's where we come in. That is where Fishing Net Gains Project helps them. And they saw that and they, 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 they saw the benefit of what this, this project is gonna do for them and then they listened. Do you understand? They yeah. listened. No, I'm I yeah, I'm I'm actually listening to you and I'm you know just watching some of the campaigns that you guys are engaged in and you know some of the repurposing that you're talking about and I see that it's not just you know go snacks and 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 people just you know doing things that are not meaningful you know um I see that you know the it's used for roofing in some instances and there's a lot of youth activity and youth involvement in, in your projects, um, you know, as you alluded earlier on, just maybe if you can emphasize why, why do you seem to focus on, on, on youth and, and is it important that we, we just, you know, target the youth to, to be the ones that are championing, you know, these uh, environmental related programs? We all know that um, there's an adage in my place that says the youth are the leaders of tomorrow. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, first of all, our our our, our organization is a youth based organization. Nice. Good. Now, the fact that we're targeting youth that doesn't mean we don't talk to the old, we don't talk to the middle age, but it's because they have the dexterity. Mm -hmm. They understand because this is going to be for them in the future. They are the people that are. That they, they are, um, what do you call it, most valuable in, in carrying out all of these projects. Of course, an old man will not be able to, <laughs> an old man will not be able to have all of the time because he'll be like, oh, my days are well spent and I'm almost leaving. I'm just saying this on a lighter note. Yeah. You know, but the youth's engagement with the youth helps to amplify 
a lot of things. It shows the dexterity. It shows the value because all of them coming together with their different skills and, um, and talents and all of that, they'll be able to um, put their heads together. You know, the, 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 the youths these days, they get to think yeah. and they come up with innovative yeah. solutions. So when we get to these communities, we are targeting youths, whether girls or boys. We are targeting yeah. them because they are the resources. They are the resource persons. First of all, we're going to use to work in the project. Our project is community-based. We can't go there and bring our own workers there. Whoever is going to go into the ocean or by the or onshore or offshore to pick up, to recover this fishing net are the youths. Or maybe some of the fishermen and divers that go into the water, when they come back, we incentivize them with money and say, oh, thank you for bringing this, for recovering this. Gradually, youths bring about um, some form of dexterity. Youths bring about some form of, um, uh, they, they are majorly excited. They always want to try, you know, new things, come up with innovative solutions. Oh, we can do it this way. And tomorrow, all of these things is for the future. All of these things we're doing to make a better environment, it's for the youths, it's for the future. So it is the youths that will be able to carry this along so that it stays and it's sustainable. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think as you're speaking, I'm just I, I can't help but wonder for someone who sees the project, right? And they are also in their own remote space and they are, you know, they want to to replicate the program or they want to implement, you know, a similar type of uh, you know, of a project in their in their communities what what yeah. would you advise them to do how do they go about it because i think most of the time you know people would say but you know it's not sustainable you know um there is no money in it and people don't see the value of it so just take us through your you know your project how how does how how is it funded how how do you get from you know, getting a ghost net that is a an end product in the ocean and um, bringing it to a resource that is profitable for the community. That's a very interesting question, Refilwe. Yeah. Okay, so we all know, we all know that um, <clears throat> that people would want to do things that are sustainable. First yeah. of all, the Fishing Net Gains Project is a self-sustaining project. Wow. It is more like a circle. Just because of the community integrated center, it is going to self-sustain itself. Now, for each of the locations we have, you know, um, established our hub nets and all of that, they are community-based and they are sustaining themselves. So all we need, like we have been doing, is funding to help, you know, like a seed fund to help each of the community. They look, first of all, where you recover, you know, a fishing net from the ocean, take it to the hop net, which is a place where we, um, hop net is um, a structure, is a facility that we store the nets and data, you know. And then when you take it to the hop net, it is processed and washed. And then the women from the community integrated center come there, you know, get the net at a, a very low price because it is weighed, you know, it's weighed and then we're like, okay, you want to use this net to make products and sell for your for yourself. This is how much you're going to buy it in a oh. very something that is almost less, less than a, a dollar. 
you get the net, we weigh it and we track it to make sure that you use all of those nets. If you do not use, if you cannot use all of the nets, the ones that you cannot use, you can return back to the hub net. And then you take it for the women, they go to the CIC and then they, they make the fabric from there, create any product they want to create from there, sell it, make their money, come back. You know, it's a process. And our project is replicable. You can replicate this solution. It is interesting to note that I was just talking to, you know, one of my project coach in, um, in the United States, Kirsten Gilardi, and then she introduced me to Burio. And I was just talking to one of them in Burio, and they said, wow, we have been looking for a way to, you know, for a solution, especially yeah. for monofilament nets. You know, we have two types of nets predominantly in the west part of Africa, western coast of Africa, which is the gill net and the cast net. So they, they were looking for solution for the gill net, which is the uh, monofilament net. And yeah. I said, come, we have the solution. And he asked the question, can it be replicable wherever? I said, yes, exactly the same thing. We can just teach you and then you know. And he's like, wow, they have That's a stockpile amazing. of it and they don't know what to do with it. So it is easy for the women and men in, those, in that community where he is to just replicate this solution and it's helping them stay sustainable and afloat. Amazing. Uh, I, I think, you know, just you've, you've touched on you know, that you actually have worked in America or you have, uh, you know, just connected to the American community and uh, would love to talk to you about that in a minute. But I see here your project has won um, the award for best solutions, uh, a solution oriented program in, um, you know, in is it in America, in, in uh, Nigeria or is it a what, what was happening there? <laughs> just talk to us about that. <laughs> It's in Nigeria. We we are the first organization in Africa to have a solution to this this fishing this this fishing net solution. This ghost wow. gear solution. We are the first to have it. We are the first and only to provide solution for fishing yeah. for ghost gear in Africa. That's amazing. Uh, congratulations. You know, I I think we really need to see that, and we need to, you know, just uh projects that you know just don't really just uh talk about you know blaming and what's wrong and you know what's bad but just being on the ground and talking about solution and uh introducing solutions you know uh i i, I want to touch on what she said about you know what you mentioned about working in america as well um what was your project or program in america did you live there? Um, have you know? Did you go there to learn uh, about uh, the plastics and environmental management? Okay. Um, <clears throat> what took me to the United States is actually, you know, the positive work I'm doing, the positive impact I am giving to my community, which is this work. No, yeah. there was th there's my, there's there's an applicant, there's this um fellowship called Mandela Washington Fellowship. And yeah. it is for leaders, right? It, it's an exchange program and it gives you access to the United States for a period of time to be able to go and learn and harness your skills and you know come back and impact your community. But for you to be chosen, of course, you would, you know, you must have been doing something. Yeah. And then I applied and they found me worthy with what I was doing, and then I went. 
Now, while I was there, what interested me in Davis especially is the fact that they are a conservative community. And I admire them so much that I see how the festival segregates their waste and recycle and upcycle. And it got me so interested and I wanted to keep talking and talking about it. Even when I had an inter when I had a session interview with um, the chancellor of um, the University of California, Davis, Gary May, but I commended him on how he is, you know, keeping to the standards of the recycle, the recycling. I am in love with conservative communities. And I, yes, I see plastic waste, but I see that they get to, you know, do something about it. They are intentional about not allowing plastic pollutes the environment. So my short stay in the United States helped me to learn other ways and methods of, you know, plastic recycling and repurposing. Yeah, uh, just just briefly, um, out of curiosity, you know, when you compare what you see and in, um, in America, you said California, right, and and Nigeria, what yeah. what are the differences between production? Do you think that uh, Africa is producing more of the products or of the plastic, or you know, is it is it a matter of uh, management and and use uh, of of the product? So what what is it? What are the main differences that are you know just drive the difference in in how plastic waste is uh is is you know treated in both countries? Okay, so first of all, Africa is not producing you know more. Africa is doesn't. Okay, let me start like this. The amount of plastic produced compared to the United States, Africa has less amounts. Yeah. In the United States, uh, there are lots of single-use plastic produced on a daily basis. But our problem is, is the management of the plastics. Compared to the two countries, United States is doing way more better. In Africa, our problem is the management. My opinion, I think yeah. we should be able to manage because we are not producing this plastic. We're not taking it, making it intentional in our plastic, you know, management. So okay. we need to know how to, you know, manage plastic waste that will help about reducing plastic pollution. Yeah. So I, I think what I'm, I'm gathering from what you're saying is, are uh, you know, Africa is not even producing, you know, as much as you know what the Western world is producing. The challenge is not the production, you know, the challenge is management and, and also yes. the education around it. And, um, yes. you know, how, how do you think, you know, in your opinion, I think this is another unfair question. Uh, in your mm -hmm. opinion, how do you think, you know, we can best combat that challenge? Um, you know, just, uh, you know, thinking about what you see on a daily, um, you know, a typical picture that you see on the internet when talking debris in, you know, in, in um, or debris problems, uh, what you see in Africa is almost the same or similar in, you know, in most countries. And it's heaps and, you know, pictures of, um, you know, really unsightly plastic everywhere are, uh, and, how how do you think that we can best combat that and and turn that around because you know as we've established it's not a production problem it's not we don't even produce as much as any other country okay um 
thank you for that question. In my opinion, first of all, the first thing that we should do is to educate people. Environmental education is very important. In fact, it's one of the projects we're running, having to infuse, you know, infuse it into um, the syllabus of primary schools and, sec and secondary schools for teens to be able to understand basic and in-depth environmental education, where that is done. When yeah. you start preaching, calling for awareness campaign for recycling initiatives, then people can understand and they must have had this attitude, positive attitude towards the environment. Well, I can always say clean up exercises and most especially upcycling. Then the most important thing out of all of this is how the knowledge of waste management, how to segregate waste, that will help. You know, it's not as if these um, companies that do waste management are not there. They are there. It all starts with us. It has to be that positive attitude towards protecting the environment. When yeah. we do that, every other person will take it as a point of duty to be able to do what is right for the environment. It's one earth we have, just yeah. one. One earth. So all we need to do is to put our hands together to protect the earth. Whether yeah. the water, the land, anywhere to protect it, even the airspace, protect it from carbon. And yeah. you are the one, we are the ones solely responsible for this. Yeah, this is this is absolutely amazing. Uh, you know, thank you so much for your work that you are doing. Um, and if anyone is, is looking to check out your work, it's, you know, the SOFA Initiative Project. Um, it is online. Uh, if you just... You know, uh, Google that, you will see, you know, some of the incredible, incredible work that UI is, is, is involved in. And um, I just want to commend you and just say, keep going. And you are, you know, encouraging, you know, us in, in, in what you do. And we see the work that you do. And there is hope, you know, for the beautiful continent that is Africa and a beautiful country that is Nigeria. And uh, we appreciate your work and yeah just all the very best with your masters as well and um yeah and the un unique path that you're taking being you know a, a a lawyer or an attorney and choosing the environment that's that's amazing thank you so much Rafil. this means a lot to me and this is a call to everyone to take charge and make and have positive attitude towards the environment thank you so much bye for now Thanks. Bye. Thank you.